Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawk 720. Came to the left circle, pulls up, hole, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Kane over the Stars line with an empty net. He shoots, he scores! An empty net goal, and that will put it away. It's time for Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi, everyone. Another week, another Blackhawk 720 podcast. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, joined, as always, by Joe Brand, the jack-of-all-trades here at uh, 303 East Wacker. He does everything. He also, uh, you know, has the voice of UIC Sports, the voice of the Kane County Cougars. But most importantly, Joe, how did you enjoy your NHL trade deadline day? I really enjoyed the NHL trade <laughs> deadline day because... Amidst whatever else you were doing. Right. Well, cat I, sitting. But, but that was the thing. No matter what I was doing, the Blackhawks were somehow active in it. And it wasn't uh, a just-at-the-deadline type of thing. I mean, this has kind of been going on for the past week now. And I, I think that's that's good for this type of team that, you know, you got a, a general manager that's that involved and. And that motivated to get so many moves done. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Blackhawks were kind of the talk of the town of the NHL because they just kept doing things. I think I heard in Dave Ennett's sportscast out of 17 moves, they had nearly a quarter of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, four, on, uh, four on deadline day on Monday. And, um, you know, it carries over to the two deals they made previously with the Florida Panthers. And let's just give you kind of an, an overview before we uh, talk about it a little bit more and hear from Stan Bowman here. So at the end of the day, through what they've done over the course, the last 10 days or whatever, starting with the Vinny Hinestroza deal with the, with the Florida Panthers and Vinny's 19-hour drive uh, <laughs> up to Chicago, uh, plus additions, 2021 second, fourth, and seventh round draft picks. 2022 third round draft pick. So two, three, and four additions um, while subtracting a couple of fifths this year and next year. That's your draft capital that came and went. And in terms of the bodies, uh, we all know by now from the previous trade with Florida, Vinny Hinestroza coming the Blackhawks way. And then the second deal, Henrik Borgstrom, Brett Connolly, who debuted on Monday night with a splash, Riley Stillman, who did the same. And then uh, the... Body additions on Monday, Adam Gaudette from Vancouver, and a couple of uh, one minor leaguer, Josh Dickinson, who is the brother of Jason Dickinson of the Dallas Stars, and Ryder Rolston, who has the winning name, I think, of the NHL trade deadline. He was a fifth-round pick of Colorado and uh, is currently at, where else, Notre Dame, the Stan Bowman connection. He just finished his freshman year at Notre Dame. They got a good look at him while they were keeping an eye on their uh, third-round draft pick from this past year, Landon Slagger. So, There's your capital coming in. On the way out, besides those two fifth-round draft picks, Matthias Janmark, who was on an expiring contract, Madison Bowie, Lucas Carlson and Lucas Walmark, the latter on an expiring contract, the other a defenseman who showed some promise. You don't know how high his ceiling was ever going to go and was having a, 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 a difficult time with the caveat that the Blackhawks wanted to look at a lot of young defensemen this season, but a difficult time hanging in that lineup. And the others on their way out, uh, Brad 
Morrison, who was uh, in exchange for Vinny Hinestroza uh, 10 days ago or so, Matthew Highmore, who came for Adam Gaudet straight up, and Carl Soderberg, another guy in an expiring contract who had been a healthy scratch, came back with a splash in Saturday's game against Columbus, and uh, maybe that was uh, you know uh, an impetus to uh, uh, have Colorado uh, go back and get his services once again in exchange for uh, that fifth-round pick, Rolston, and Josh Dickinson as well. So as you look at the entire landscape here, Joe, Stan Bowman's keeping his word in terms of collecting draft picks that he can use for the future. Again, three of those being in the in the between the second and fourth round, and then bringing up, and we'll discuss this perhaps a little bit more uh, because he talks about it at the end of uh, his session here that was we'll listened to with the media, bringing in young players who may not necessarily have cracked the lineup or necessarily sold their original teams on who they are, but still very young. And we've seen Stan Bowman do this before by bringing in the likes of a Dylan Strom, who maybe his welcome mat was worn out in Arizona. The same thing with Alex Nylander in Buffalo. And I also think to a certain extent, if you go back a few years, Connor Murphy with with Arizona as part of the Nicholas Jalmerson trade, he was another young guy, 23, 24 years old at the time, who still hadn't found his way. And now we see the kind of player Connor Murphy has become for the Blackhawks. That's not necessarily saying that these new young assets that the Blackhawks have gotten in return uh, will reach Connor Murphy stealing. It's it, it's it's going to be a hit and miss to a certain extent. But this is the priority with the bodies that they wanted to return. Young, still with some upside, and still giving them an opportunity to listen to some new new voices in their head in terms of how they're coached and how they go about perhaps uh, reaching their potential here in the NHL. This whole trade deadline seemed like it accomplished a lot of things. A lot of what you just said of, of um, acquiring a lot of young talent. You get some draft picks, you move around some draft picks, but I think it does some other things like move the guys that you picked up on one-year deals this year and, and pull some positive out of it with, with trading them away. And I mean, you kind of take on a few contracts or, or a contract or two that can maybe help you out dish somebody off in the expansion draft. So I almost feel like this is exactly what Stan Bowman has kind of wanted to do for the past couple of years, to really just have his own whole thing, his own whole team, but really just just tinker with things. And, and he's got his eye, and maybe his guys have their eyes on other young guys out there throughout the hockey world that they have a lot of faith in. And a lot of times, Stan Bowman has hit on those things, but he gets a lot of backlash on it when, you know, there's the Artemi Panarin deal and the Tavo Teravainen deal. And, you know, he tries to pull out those young players that he might think can be long-lasting assets to this Blackhawks team. Now you're not giving up one of those stellar performers to not so much take a gamble on a younger player, but at least you know the the risk doesn't outweigh the reward anymore. So it's kind of interesting to see Stan Bowman in this opportunity being able to do it. Like I said, it was it seemed like every other day, and then once the trade deadline came, it was move after move after move. <laughs> so it's it's fun to see the Blackhawks that involved. And and when you mention these young guys that can maybe just benefit from a scene change, I mean we already saw that with Vinny Hinnestroza. Um, hopefully this is the same case for Brett Connolly. I mean, yeah, bring him to this team that had overperformed at the beginning of the year, now have kind of come back to showing their true colors, but still have an opportunity to make the playoffs, even though it is tough, and see what they can bring to the table and see how they can fit into this this whole design. So 
Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting moving forward, but I think it's this is still an exciting time for Blackhawks fans because there's there's so much to look forward to, and there's there's still something to salvage out of this year. And it's not like uh, they certainly had the opportunity and were in position where they could take on a bad contract um, that another team wanted to shed. And for those of you who think Brett Connolly was a, necessarily a bad contract, hey, it's only a 3.5, and you could almost see when that deal was made last week that Connolly was a piece that they could put in position when they would trade a Yanmark or a Soderberg. Still getting a veteran guy who can help out this year, who's not going to kill you with his salary cap hit in the coming years. And we'll talk a little bit about later about how how much incentive Brett Connolly has after we listen to him following the 4-3 overtime victory over Columbus on Monday night. But for the here and now, let, let's hear from Stan himself. And I think, you know, he answers uh, a lot of questions people may ask in, uh, in, in terms of what he was trying to accomplish, if that hasn't been clear now. But among the topics you'll hear him discuss, and this is over 10 minutes in length, but I think it, it, it's a good listen for Blackhawk fans to understand uh, where he's been, where he's coming from, and his philosophy here moving forward, if it wasn't clear enough. You'll hear him talk about you know the Yanmark trade, what he got, a second-round pick in return when there were some wondering whether he was going to be able to get something that high with the way Yanmark played over the course of the last you know, three weeks to a month, and what Matias provided during his time here. He also talks about Gaudet's potential and his health status right now. He was one of those hit really hard by that strain of COVID that knocked out the Vancouver Canucks. A little bit as well about Ryder Rolston and you know, giving themselves and Jeremy more options uh, with some of these uh, uh, players that they've gotten, uh, particularly building up the center position organizationally with uh, some of these moves that they made. Also about what, you know whether this was Stan's plan that he envisioned, uh, way he envisioned things at the deadline through his off-season moves and those short-term signings with the likes of Yanmark and Soderberg. But he begins here talking about staying true to the organization's stated philosophy for the goals that they wanted to accomplish this year. We're happy with how it went, not just today, but the I guess you look back probably the last week or so. And it's really consistent with what we've been trying to do going back to the off-season, which was, uh, you know, we're trying to rebuild our asset pool and... You know, we're, we're trying to bring in some young players and it's not only about draft picks, but we're trying to bring in some young players and then also get some additional draft capital, um, which we were able to accomplish. So I think when you, when you add it all up and you look at what we were able to do, I would say very happy with where we're sitting today. You know, it's been a long stretch. Uh, give a lot of credit to my staff. They've done a fantastic job getting through and, uh, running down all these different scenarios leading up till the, the deals that we made today. And um, that's been a good team approach. So, uh, you know, I, I think we've, we've set out to, we did what we set out to do. And when that happens, you usually you're really excited about that. What was the market like for uh Yanmark? And did you have a brief panic attack when you saw Taylor Hall only got a second round pick? No, not a panic attack. I think the, the thing that I found out this year, which was, uh, you know, the market, was being set to a certain degree but also uh, i think what we saw was certain teams had a different appetite for players than others and uh, obviously your player and their their value um, is impacted by the other trades but i think you know when you find a team that's it's interested in a player then you may get different value than other teams where um, it wasn't consistent value across the board. So that's where you really got to work it. You've got to try to 
find the best match. So, uh, and Matias has had a very good year for us. So there were a number of teams that were calling on him. You know, I think ultimately we found the best deal with Vegas and that's why we eventually moved him there. Yeah. I think he brought a, uh, a winning attitude and a winning style of play to our team. You know, he was coming off team in Dallas last year that was so close to winning the cup. And I, I think he was important for, pushing us forward, even just, just to watch the style of play that he brings to the table. You know, he's a very uh, north-south player, and he's strong, and a lot of times he could get us out of trouble just by himself, just, you know, winning a battle and carrying the puck up the ice and getting it uh, into the other team's end. And I think some nights we needed that. And uh, so that was my conversation with him. It was just thanking him for, um, you know, believing in the Blackhawks and, and giving us his all while he was here. We wish him the best in Vegas and, you know, thank him for his time with us. What do you think the ceiling is for Goddad? And there was a report that uh, he was hit uh, kind of rather hard with COVID. What, what do you know about uh, his health as you try to bring him into the fold? Adam's a, a right-handed center, that um, good-sized kid. And he's coming off a good season last year. It hasn't been as good this year. You know, the numbers haven't been there, but uh, we certainly see the potential and, and what he brings to the table. He's a player we're, we're pretty familiar with. Uh, he was the line mate for Dylan at, at Northeastern. So we've seen, seen Adam play a lot and uh, I thought he had a really good year last year. So, um, you know, we're trying to recapture some of that, but, you know, he does bring us uh a little bit more size and the fact that he's a right-handed center. Um, that's something we, we don't have a lot of up and down our lineup. So uh, as far as the, the COVID situation, um, yeah, I, I know he was on the list and I know he, uh, I don't really want to get into his actual health, but I, I talked to him today and he's excited. He's, he's really uh, looking forward. Can't wait to get to Chicago and get back on the ice. So I think, um, you know, from that perspective, it should be all systems go. Uh, what can you tell us about Ralston? Uh, so Ryder, we got a chance to see often this year. He, he was playing at Notre Dame when we were there watching Landon Slaggart. Um, so uh, pretty familiar with his game. I think uh, very good skater, and he brings some size and speed um, to the game. And I think, uh, you know, he's, he's young. He just finished his freshman year, so he's got you know plenty of development ahead of him. But I think those two attributes, like when you go to watch Notre Dame play, um, you'll notice him because he's a, he's a pretty good-sized kid that really can skate. So, uh, you know, as far as putting the whole game together, you know, he, he, uh, he had a pretty good year last year in the USHL and, you know, not as, not as much offense this year. But, you know, uh, I think there's more there. Um, and I had a chance to chat with him briefly. Uh, you know, he was really excited to – to be part of the Blackhawks organization. And um, we're, we're looking forward to getting a chance to work with them soon here. Uh, and it seemed like the overall theme of the, the, the whole trade period, uh, which you mentioned at the beginning of this call was just sort of accumulating quantity of assets to, uh, you know, picks and prospects and everything. Uh, what's sort of the outlook moving forward uh, now that you've accumulated all of these um, do you plan to, to use all of them or develop all of them, or will you eventually try to maybe parlay them into, into players in the future? I, I guess it's never that we're, okay, now we've accumulated assets, so we've moved to a different phase where we're not accumulating any. I, I think it, it's really an ongoing thing. We, 
we're trying to build our team back up. I think we're taking steps this year by giving young players larger opportunities, and many of them have really run with it. And I think they've shown uh, pretty nice progress in, in the NHL. So that bodes well for those players. And then we brought in some other young players that are not in the league yet that are either going to be still in junior or in Europe, but trending into the league pretty soon. Um, and then we want to see how that fits and sorts itself out um, and build our team back up. But the more depth that we have as a team, then the better we're going to be as a team. And I think, you know, Jeremy likes that flexibility to be able to move players in and out. And I think, um, you know, it's not like we, we, we now we're all set. So we've got our, our team for the current and next year. Um, there may be new names that come into the mix that aren't here right now. Um, we're still in that early stage of, of building a team. I think we have some more, NHL players today than we did seven or eight months ago. Uh, and that's because we've given them a chance and they've really run with it. Um, so we're going to do that as we go forward as well. So there might be so, some more ins and outs. So players that are here now might not be here as we go forward. If, if we're con- able to turn them into something even better or turn them into something that we don't have enough of. So uh, I would say this process <clears throat> is ongoing. I, we're not like, moving on to a different stage of our team. But I do like the, the direction that we're heading. With uh, with adding Borgstrom and, and Goddett, were you guys looking to add center depth? Was that at all something you were looking to do these last few weeks? Yeah, I think when, you, you know, when you're talking about building a team, the, there's always, you know, the, certainly the defense, the goalie, and the center are the sort of the strengths of your team. And then you, the wingers are, are important, but – you know, you're looking at the position, there's only four centers on a team, you know, you've got eight wingers. So if you're able to play down the middle, I think you have a value in the, in the defensemen are cer- certainly important too. So I think we've really built our up our defensive prospects in the last probably three to four years. We've got a really nice stable of young defensemen, some are in Chicago, some are in Rockford and the rest are in development, but we've got a, a strong group. And then with the recent moves, I feel like our, our center group is coming along as well. So uh, it, it was a, a point of, that we were looking at. Sometimes you can't make that happen all the time. Not every trade lines up that way. But we do like having some strength down the middle. At the beginning of the season, somewhat of necessity because of the uncertainty with Kirby Dock and, and Jonathan Taves, you know, you signed a lot of uh, veteran players, Janmark, Soderberg, Walmart, to expiring contracts was this kind of what you envisioned at the trade deadline uh, whether the team was ahead of the curve as far as their progression or not to be able to be in a position to move some of these uh, expiring contracts and get prospects and assets uh, from it i think part of the reason that we were able to move them though was the progression of some of these players who you know back in october um we we weren't sure where was hagel or Suter. Kurashev, um, we weren't sure where their progression and development was going to be. And I think it was, it was difficult to say for certain that they would be able to play as many games and at the level that they've played. And I think that it helped having Yen, Mark, and Soderberg, um, certainly in the beginning of the year when the, the young players were able to get into the league and have a little bit of an easier 
time as far as minutes and matchups and grow their confidence um, to the point now where we were in a different position. We felt a comfort level with the growth from underneath. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure that's, that's how it would play out. So when we added those veteran players, we, we wanted that, the comfort knowing that they, they were important to this process. I thought, you know, I wanted to thank both, both Carl and Matthias for their professional approach to the season. Uh, I thought they brought um, something unique to the group and they did a very good job and put us in a position to where we could allow our, our young players to grow. And, and they did that and they've shown progress and they've taken steps and now they're playing bigger roles up and down our lineup. Uh, and I think that that's put us to this position where we're able to now move them along. You know, Jeremy and his staff have done a really good job of getting the, the players to buy into how we can be a successful team. You know, you're looking at, potential with some of these players and that's a great thing but you do have to transfer that potential into reality and we we realize it doesn't always happen overnight um but pretty excited about the the potential for those guys to i guess a step in their career and uh, some of them are like borksham's not here yet but i think jeremy has shown the ability to be able to get a lot out of those young players and you know this year is a good example for whether it was Khrushchev or Suter or Hagel up front and in the, in the defensive side. And lately, Kalnuk's really taken some steps forward. And you know, that was really through the mentorship of the coaching staff. And, you know, he, Wyatt played a game, you know, against Tampa at home. And then he, he sat out a few more, played in the minors, and uh, just kept getting a little bit better to the point where he scored his first goal the other night. And uh, that's the part that gets you pretty excited to see how they can connect with those young players and, um, you know, Gaudet is one year removed from 13 goals in the NHL. It's a pretty good season. You know, we like the, the potential for him, and we want to see if we can tap into that. So what with Stan finished with there is what we kind of uh, talked about leading into it. It's about getting some of these these young players who, you know, um, haven't struck gold by any means, you know, uh, highly regarded because, you know, the likes of Borgstrom and, and Gaudette were high draft picks, even Riley Stillman to a certain extent. But Gaudette's an interesting guy in that, um, you know, he scored a dozen goals last year. Played really well against the Blackhawks, and this is another guy that Stan and his hockey op staff are familiar with because he was a line mate of Dylan Sakura over at Northwest, Northeastern, and uh, uh, Sakura was up for the Hobie Baker Award the same year that Gaudette was. As you know, they played together, and it was Gaudette that ended up winning the Hobie Baker Award. And again, he has played well against the Blackhawks. The dude, if you see some of his highlights, certainly knows how to celebrate a goal when he scores one as well. And I guess the, the, the knock on him is, you know, his skating ability, his fleetness of foot. But, uh, again, shown an ability in college and at least last year with Vancouver before, you know, falling back a bit this year uh, as the league kind of came back to him. Uh, this is another player that, uh, if given a fresh start, um, this coaching staff, which is, you know, shown in a lot of examples, not necessarily everyone, that they can, you know, shape and bring a lot out of these guys. And there's been, you know, no greater example of that with this year, with all the young players the Blackhawks have and how they have contributed rather consistently, yes, through ups and downs over the course of a season as they, they experience the NHL grind for the first time. But uh, being big factors in having the Blackhawks in the position that they are 
and now you're bringing in some more young players who can potentially help that for the future. And again, it's the vibe that this team has created right now, and it's it's kind of uh, the it's what just happened as the season started because you know this team wasn't expecting Jonathan Taves to be out; they weren't expecting Kirby Doc to be out. And then all of a sudden you need to provide this depth with a bunch of young players. And, you know, that that's what was so entertaining about this team is because there was somebody new every night. And it's still going on this year where, oh, first NHL goal for player X. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a fun time to be around. I, I don't, you know... It, I don't think this is necessarily a parallel to the whole Kane and Taves era where the young kids take over this organization and then go on to win three cups. Obviously, that's the goal for any organization. But in, in just in terms of the situation at hand right now, you got a lot of guys buying into the system still, and you got a lot of guys uh, still listening to the head coach that has some firepower. I know we're going to segue into to Monday's game, and I, I, obviously I think Saturday's game was was probably one of the biggest ones, uh, at least definitely recently. Um, but I think it just goes to show that there is somebody sharing a message, and he is still being listened to. I love the video uh, of Jeremy, and I only wish we could have heard the audio yeah, Saturday, right. <laughs> Saturday night of what he was saying. And good on him that afterwards, that was the storyline. He kept getting asked questions about it, but he downplayed it. And gave it back to his players in terms of they were they were the ones who needed to respond to that message, and they were able to come back and do that. And it was a much better overall effort against a Columbus team that you just knew went out there with absolutely nothing to lose after all the losses that they suffered at the trade deadline. Whether it's you know Nash and, and Felino and Savard, and on top of that, Zach Wierenski is out for the season. They just threw everything out there with, with nothing to lose, and, and it was a, a great effort game Monday night on on both teams' parts. And and Columbus gave the Blackhawks all they could handle. But, you know, we'll hear Jeremy in a minute talk about fighting through the grind of deadline day when you have a game that night and, and just the emotions uh, of seeing some guys you, quote-unquote, went to war with. I don't necessarily like to use those wartime phrases, comparisons, references, but, um, you know, I, I think that's the, the kind of the phrase that Jeremy used here. What an emotional draining day it is when you have all those unknowns for several hours until, you know, finally it all ends and you have some answers and it comes time to reset and play a game that night. But we saw a couple of the new faces come in. Uh, first of all, uh, Brett Connolly, we wish we could have shared it with you, but but the audio, unfortunately, with him in the post game was was real distorted. He was right on top of the microphone, I think, and uh, so so the volume was, it wasn't quite right. But he came in after scoring a goal to... Um, uh, give the Hawks that that three two lead temporarily in the third period. This is a guy who's proven he can score in the league, and he really has himself a chip on the shoulder after having two real productive seasons back to back for Washington in his first year in Florida under Q. Uh, all of a sudden, for some reason, he was phased out and put in the doghouse, and you could really tell he comes over here with a chip on his shoulder, and he's bringing that out on the ice with him. And just like Vinny, probably who played in all of nine games for Florida. Q has his guys that he likes. We, we've come to know that during his time here in Chicago, his great run here in Chicago. But the guys that, you know, uh, fall by the wayside uh, in favor of the guys that he likes, uh, there's some motivation there. And the Blackhawks have two of those guys from Florida. And we really heard it from Connolly last night. He, he sounds really stoked and uh, 
has himself a fire lit under him here for these final 13, 14 games of the regular season. Well, it's good to see that work out, and hopefully the the Blackhawks are the team that can benefit from it. It's kind of like the kind of like the Vinny Hinnestroza deal, but that just seemed like, well, yes, of course, if this is an opportunity, we might as well go at this, and it seems like both of those players are are very enticed to be here and very excited to get things moving along, and, and again, there's, there's still a playoff spot to be won, so I, I think that's just kind of a a revive and energy too for an opportunity for these guys to actually play towards something. I know they're on a team of Florida where, you know, they are expecting to go to the playoffs, but but that's where the difference lies. I mean, now they want to become the player that makes the impact and and maybe is the reason why the team gets over that hump and gets over to that side in the playoffs rather than out of the playoffs. And again, if the Blackhawks can benefit from it, then then good on them for making known that observation and striking on it, and and good on Stan Bowman if it continues. And Riley Stillman also made his Blackhawks debut. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about um, who phased out of the lineup and Nikita Zadorov after we hear from Jeremy Colleton. But the Blackhawks faced the same circumstance in the game as Saturday night um, for a much longer period of time because Adam Boquist got uh, knocked in the face with a puck uh, just two shifts and 42 seconds of ice time into Monday night's game was lost for the rest of the game. He's in concussion protocol or has at least concussion symptoms. So it was up to five defensemen to pick up the slack. That included Riley Stillman in his first game, Wyatt Kalanuck in his eighth game of his NHL career. And uh, you throw those in with Keith and Murphy and DeHaan, who was able to come back from a hit pointer, but then later aggravated it during the course of the game. So your defenseman numbers when the night was all done. Keith 2948, Murphy 2539. Uh let's see who's next on the list as we go numerically after Boquist 42 seconds, Calvin Nahan just 16 and a half minutes, Wide Kalanuck 2114 and Riley Stillman in his Blackhawks debut 2123. They had to grind it out. They found a way and then when all was said and done, to kind of put the exclamation on this, who's on the ice for the game-winning goal in overtime? Wyatt Kalanuck passes to Kirby Dock, who rushes up the ice, and then passes over to Brandon Hagel. Uh, they're all wearing diapers in the NHL, <laughs> but uh, Hagel slams home the game-winner. And uh, that was just, there have been a, another example or two in some Blackhawks overtime winners this season where there was a similar setup with either three rookies or two rookies and another young guy out there on the ice. And, and the, that just kind of adds to the juice of the potential of, of what we might see with just this cast of young guys who are uh, really getting their baptism here in the NHL. I'm trying to find it. I think I will find it in time. Here we go. Tracy Myers tweeting at you, quote, tweeting <laughs> you. If Kelly Nuck was a forward, we could call that the IDs, please, line. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, something else that uh, John Weineman said on yesterday's broadcast was, you know, Brandon Hagel, he knows one speed, and it's fast, and it's, you know, go as hard as you can. So it's it's always cool to see him. It's always cool to see him score, but when he's able to score in a big opportunity like that, like an overtime shot, um, you know, it, it's just cool to see his hard work get paid off. And, I mean, that guy is still just a very fan favorite because of what type of intensity he brings onto the ice every single time. But, but yeah, I mean, those are, you know, you take out the first couple of minutes on Saturday's game, and those are a string 
thing of, well, maybe if you add the overtime, it, it works out to 120 minutes total of, mm. of two games of, of solid performance by the Blackhawks, and that comes after Jeremy Colleton's little powwow on that well-timed timeout. And, you know, he, he gets a lot of credit for it, as he should. And a lot of people on the broadcast were talking about how it's kind of a gamble because, I mean, it is. What, what if you don't come out strong after that? What if you come out flat? And I, I think that's why Jeremy Colleton was so uh, adamant about giving credit to his players for responding to it. I mean, obviously, that's that's good on him as the head coach to do that, to, to make it known. And I, I, I really loved, I think it's because Duncan Keith was the first guy to turn and he was the f- guy in the middle in the front of the camera when he was skating away. And just his face was basically like, yeah, we, we definitely need to get things going. <laughs> like, of course, of course. So... Um, it's it's cool. It's cool that he he has that. You can you can witness. You can see that type of enthusiasm he still has on this team, and he's he's able to do that mid game. And uh, I think I think that was just a, a wise spot for him to to go ahead and kind of pull rank right there, and it worked. So now I think they develop even more respect for him, and he probably develops more respect for them. And again, it, it comes at a time where this team is still fighting for a playoff spot. So, uh, you know, ho- hopefully that that is a moving point. I know that the schedule gets a lot tougher after Detroit, but um, that that's the momentum you need right now. And you can't sleep on Detroit. We'll get to that as we hear from Jeremy. But yeah, there were two options for him on Saturday night three minutes in after that going down to nothing. And it was do what he did or save his timeout, call Lankanen over to the bench and send Malcolm Subban in. Those were his two choices. And, you know, I think with what he's trying to do with Lankanen and with what Lankanen has proven during the course of his rookie season, he's riding him out. It's now seven consecutive starts for Kevin. And, um, you know, uh, and Kevin even seemed a little bit scrambly there on those two goals. But let's face it, he was not getting any help out there either. And then he got stronger as that game went on Saturday. Back to Monday night's game, though, however. And uh, let's hear from Jeremy afterwards, really touching on a number of subjects. The power play scoring for a second consecutive game. Uh, going with 5D for two straight games for an even longer stretch of time, as we mentioned a moment earlier. And the D who was not in there, Nikita Zadorov being a healthy scratch for the first time this season. Um, Jeremy also also uh, talking about the emotions and very eloquent about uh, what a team goes through when they're playing a game on deadline day on a team w- that is very active with their with their moves on deadline day as well as Stan was. And uh, also talking about, you know, Kalanuck being out there for the overtime game winning goal as, you know, he and other young players continue to build confidence within the coaching staff in terms of what they can do. But he starts off his media session again, post-game Monday night, about the performances of the two new guys who drew into the lineup, Brett Connolly and Riley Stillman. I thought they were both good. They brought energy and and they, of course, were excited for the opportunity. They're, you know, happy to be here and and, uh, provide some energy for us. I thought uh, Stillman was very physical. He was active. He got stops for us. he was jumping in the play, uh, kind of asked him to pull back a little bit, but uh, he, he did some good stuff out there. Um, Connolly, you know, he's, he's a big body and he, uh, protects the puck. Well, he has some poise. Obviously he's got a lot of games in the league and uh, there's a big goal. Speaking of, of the, of the power play, uh, do you think that, um, this, you know, series is a good sign that, you know, you're at least getting uh, good chances, good looks. Yeah, and I think uh, 
And obviously we haven't been as prolific as, as we probably started the first, you know, 30 games of the year, but uh, there's been a lot of games where we've had some good opportunities. We just haven't finished. Uh, and then we sprinkle in some, there's been a couple of games where we haven't been good. And that's uh, obviously then that becomes uh, somewhat of the story, but uh, it's not going to be perfect all the time. I'd say over, you know, we're a game, 43 or whatever we're at, uh, the power play has, has come through more often than not for us. What is the challenge of playing with five defensemen for that long? Yeah, 5D is tough. It's especially tough when it happens early. And, uh, you know, we played 5D for a lot of the, the first game. So that kind of compounds guys like Murph and Dunk, and, and uh, they, they were playing a lot of minutes in the first game. And so all of a sudden, we got to go right back to the well. But I thought guys like Kalanuk, uh, obviously DeHaan, he gutted it out. He was in a tough spot, and he just kept playing, and we needed those minutes. And I thought overall, he did a very good job. You know, I, I understand he got beat on the line A goal, but uh, that guy had three zones of speed, and uh, Cal was struggling with his mobility. So just the fact he was in and eating minutes for us was huge. So, um, you know, we think together the four, I thought the fours did a good job of protecting the D as much as possible. And the D uh, they, they found a way. I thought we were pretty clean with a puck, um, which helped us to get out of D zone. And, uh, and overall, again, I thought we did a good job of doing what we had to do to win. What went into the decision of sitting Zadorov? Well, we think uh, he can bring much more to the table than he has over the, you know, it's, I don't know how many games it is, but certainly a few where uh, we were quite happy with him for a long stretch. And uh, I think he's dropped off and we need, we need him. I think he can really help us uh, with the things that he brings when he's good. He's, he's physical. He's hard to play against. He's mean. He can get stops. Uh, he can, you know, even if he's not in a perfect position because he's so big, he can break up plays, got a long reach. He's a great skater. Uh, I think his puck plays have improved over the year, um, but recently hasn't been as good, and we got to get him back to that. Hey, Jeremy, just want to get your thoughts on the overall day with the trade deadline and just recouping some future assets for some of the guys that you traded. Yeah, well, first of all, it's a tough day. It's uh, No one likes it. I mean, maybe the fans like it and the media likes it. Uh, because there's stuff to talk about. But as a player and as a coach, uh, you're talking about uh, lives and um, friendships and those are the guys you go to war with and then all of a sudden they're not there. And uh, so it's a tough day and it's a tough it's tough to play a game on that day. And uh, you know, I thought our guys did a really good job of understanding that uh, while it's hard, find a way to prepare and, and find a way to win important points. Um, you know, saying bye to some really good teammates and, and uh, you know, players, of course, Jan Mark, uh, Soda, you know, everyone, Heisey. I mean, Matt uh, Bowie's been a great teammate. Uh, excellent, excellent, uh, you know, never, never complain one time about his lot. And uh, that doesn't go unnoticed. I, I don't, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone, but the guys that uh, come in, of course, we're excited about them. And uh, we think they can help us, whether it's now or in the future. And, uh, but by no means do we feel like we still feel like we're right in it this year. And we have, uh, we've added a few, uh, some depth 
guys that, that are excited for the opportunity and, uh, you know, excited for the, the chance to, to battle with them and, and see what we can do, see if we can prove some people wrong. Hey, Jeremy, uh, you, you briefly mentioned it earlier, but what did you think of Connolly uh, and his debut scoring the big goal? Yeah, I thought he, he gave us some good shifts. Um, as I said, big body who's comfortable on the puck and uh, not afraid to go into traffic. Um, he's got a heavy shot. You know, that's you can it's easy to see why he's uh, produced in the past. So uh, I thought he provided some energy, and of course it was a big goal. And then to put Kalanuk out there in his seventh game, I think, in OT and have it you know, lead to the game winner and his shift. Uh, what kind of, what does that say about your confidence in him? Well, he's earned it. He's, uh, you know, right from camp, he's, he's worked his way up and uh, he's steadily improved. He's used the time with the taxi squad. He's used the time with Rockford um, to gain confidence and understanding what we're asking uh, him to do. And uh, he's done a very good job. And, and the last two games, you know, going down to 5D, uh, he's been asked to play big minutes and I think he's done very well. So again, it's not, uh, there's going to be likely some games where he drops off and we understand that we're going to help him through it, but it's uh, very positive, his progression. Jeremy Carlton was asked a, a couple of times in the week leading up to Monday night's game about Nikita Zadorov's performance and um, some good things when he's out there on the ice and, and some things where you go, oh, you don't really want to see that from a guy who's four or five, you know, whatever it is, six years into the league, mid twenties by now. Um, and a guy who's a, a key piece coming back as part of a trade. And, you know, you have to also make a contract decision on moving forward. But um, even though he, he backed Nikita publicly, uh, pointed out the positives when the media was asking about him, boom, all of a sudden they, they come out there on Monday night and Zadorov is a healthy scratch and then for him to come back and explain a little bit more of the reasoning behind that and not being as protective of Nikita this time in the wake of the healthy scratch, uh, I think that's, that says a lot, too. There may be some people and some fans out there who thought this move should have come a whole lot earlier, especially with the young, eager defensemen that you have in the pipeline that will probably be a part of this team's future. But nevertheless, for him to eventually do that, uh, you know, hopefully this is a reset and as you head into the Thursday-Saturday games against Detroit, not knowing what Adam Boquist's status is going to be, not knowing what Calvin DeHaan's status is going to be, um, if he does have to bring him back quickly, uh, let's hope it's a it's a motivated Nikita Zadorov once he returns to the ice. And there's different ways for coaches to motivate the team, like we were just talking about with Jeremy Colleton in that timeout on Saturday. And, you know, sometimes you see it quietly and, and just by their actions rather than by their words. So, yes... Hopefully, um, but the unfortunate thing is is just a lot of times it's been Zadorov's mistakes that have, have costed goals or, or maybe a game, but, um, you know, you got him there to, to provide some muscle, and if, if that is not happening to its full capacity and not much is happening along with that, then, yeah, then you have a problem. So I... I think Jeremy Colleton's in the right to make that move, and I don't think you know many Blackhawks fans were upset with it. And again, I think there's just so much going on with this team right now that you don't have to necessarily just aid to that player's situation at this moment. You can you can work on the future of this organization, and uh, you know it, it, they're in a state right now where it's who's going to play, who's going to play because 
then that's how you get your playing. Well, yeah, prove it to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, earn your time. It's that way with the young kids. It's not that way with every single player, obviously. But but Nikita Zadorov, new to this team, and you know he still has has an opportunity to to prove himself. So I think Jeremy Colleton's just once again kind of showing his rank here, and uh, you know, and giving a fair shot too. Like it, it's not it's not a uh, singling out situation whatsoever. It's it's a fair shot, just like he were to do with most other players on this team. And Riley Stillman is, is a guy who can provide a, that physical element as well. Certainly not as big as Nikita Zadorov. Who is as big as Nikita Zadorov? But again, Riley Stillman, we saw him a little, scrap it up a little bit in that Blackhawks debut as well. He can provide a little bit of a physical element too. And uh, you know, if Zadorov is not going to be in the lineup, uh, they can certainly slide Stillman in for that element. So yeah, as we wrap up here and uh, go over a busy couple of days, an eventful couple of days between the, couple, the two games in Columbus and then the trade deadline, sandwiched between all of that we look ahead and we mentioned do not sleep on Detroit um, they made themselves you know some surprising moves maybe surprising to some but you know shipping out a guy like Anthony Mantha who had a really difficult season just uh, 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 an elite talent who hasn't lived up to that you know kind of you know perhaps in in the Zadorov, the Zadorov mold as he was sent off to Washington but Detroit lately has been real competitive against the top teams in this division with Florida. They beat Carolina the other night um, in Carolina. So going into Detroit, you better take care of business. The, you know, the Blackhawks managed to get their four points out of Columbus. It may not have been as quite as easy as they would have liked, but they managed to do that. And then they certainly need to take care of business. As we record here, midday on Tuesday, they're back to within two points of Nashville. Uh, they're four points clear of Dallas, uh, but those teams have uh, Dallas has what, three, three games in hand, I believe, still. And um, as we head into Tuesday night, Nashville gets to host Tampa Bay again, while Dallas takes on a Florida team once again. Uh, those teams, the, the Preds and the Stars, are certainly highly motivated, but uh, Tampa Bay and Florida are probably wanting to ramp themselves up here over the final course of the uh, final 10, 13 games or whatever it is. So taking care of business is going to be crucial. And then after that, it's the Nashville Predators for three in a row, Monday in Nashville, and then home games here back-to-back against the Predators, a team that they simply cannot figure out. And if that trend is going to continue, you certainly hope not. You better take care of business against the Red Wings and uh, come ready to play against a team that's probably going to be in the same mode that we just saw Columbus in. Uh, just really quick, I want to quickly go back to Riley Stillman and uh, how he kind of answered the bell in that game on Monday uh, when they were going on Connor Murphy. And, and that just goes to show you how another one of these young kids just answering up to the opportunity right at the moment. But yes, uh, Detroit coming up next. And I think the biggest thing is, like you said, with Nashville, uh, a three game, I guess you can call it a series, right after that, because they just need to get in the mode of of playing these next five games is very, very important for the likelihood of them making the playoffs, because we've seen the struggles that they've had against Nashville. So you can't, even if you go in there with all the confidence in the world against Detroit, and you take care of business, you can't just go in there all high and, high and mighty and continue that on against Nashville because they've seen themselves fall flat on their faces when when taking on the Predators and have been unable to do much. So I think those this next set of five games is just is kind of huge to see what identity this team has for the last stretch of the regular season because yes, it's it's probably going to play a big role, if not the main role, of whether they whether or not they make the playoffs. 
But also, if they're if they're a team that can piece together five good games in a row, I mean, we're taking out what they did against Columbus because, again, these next five games are, are pretty detrimental, and uh, you know, so uh, you can't just look at Detroit and just be positive on what you do against the Red Wings. Um, I do want to say, didn't I make the prediction of? I was a little off, but I made the prediction. I forgot of about that. Three points against Dallas. They got two. And I said at least three points. Then I said at least three points against Columbus. I know that's the like politician safe route. <laughs> the points even out, <laughs> but they they do. Yeah, yes, but yes. If you say taking half the points on a, a four game stretch, but uh, we'll, we'll give you a break this week. Yeah, uh, we'll do. come back to you on our next podcast Tuesday. We're not sure. We're sure it's going to be morning or evening or whatever it is. That's the off day between the road game in Nashville and the first of two straight home games against uh, the Predators. And by the way, those two home games against Nashville open a five-game homestand. The two against Nashville, one against Tampa Bay, two against Florida. Again, we repeat, take care of business against Detroit, certainly while you can, and we'll see where the standings are once uh, the Blackhawks come out of that and uh, prepare to face the Nashville Predators three consecutive times. Congratulations on getting your second shot, Joe. Thank you. How you feeling? Uh, not too great. No? I'm, I'm feeling some side effects, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, but it's more coldish side effects, correct? It is, correct. yeah. 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 We're, we're, what's today? Tuesday? Today is Tuesday, and I got my second shot on Thursday. First 24 hours, I felt okay. Then definitely felt, again, not chest pains, just a little, like, almost pressure, just a little discomfort, scratchy throat, and then now it's just been one of those, it's like a cold, and now it's on its way out. So if I sound nasally today, if I sound stuffed up, if you hear me sniffling and moving the microphone out of the way, or, that's why. Or maybe it just is a cold and has nothing to do with the second that shot. Could Who, be. Knows? I, Who knows? I, knock on wood, yep. I, I'm a fairly healthy guy. That's the other thing. During this whole <laughs> pandemic, I, I still... Self-diagnosis, I think I'm immune to it because I have been directly exposed multiple times. I've never gotten it. I didn't have the antibodies. And then once I get the second shot is when I start feeling under the weather. But obviously, for for the right reasons, that's my opinion. So uh, happy I got it. Happy to uh, hopefully help out. Um, and encourage everybody else to as well yes, as we do yes, that. I'm getting course. my second shot uh, coming up yeah, next week as well. Congratulations on getting so halfway there. We'll see. We'll see if I have any uh, right. effects because everything was just fine with the first one. So uh, me too. Yeah. Me too. So uh, if you haven't already, we encourage you to. I know uh, there are some beliefs and convictions out there, but uh, when it comes to uh, hopefully protecting our own society, that that enters into. Uh, the bigger picture here and uh, the belief in uh, all the hard work that the medical community did to, uh, in fact, get this ready. So uh, thanks to all of you who have already. Again, we encourage you, those who haven't yet, and we also encourage you to tune in next Tuesday. Again, we're not sure whether there'll be a, a morning release of the podcast or it won't be until evening. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with some, some scheduling things going on right here. But uh, there will be another podcast in between the road game against the National Predators in the two home games when they host the Preds here next week. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Ernie Scatton and Curtis Koch for all their production expertise. Enjoy the week, everyone. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday on our Blackhawks 720 podcast. Help up there! The Hawks win the Stanley Cup! Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Boating Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!